This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. <laughs> It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. with Rami. Do you think your daughter might want to play in the WNBA? She does for sure. She does? I, I don't, it means this, this kid, man. She Wouldn't that be great? Dude, man, I, I'm telling you. The best, the, best thing, the best thing that happens is when we go out and, and, and fans will come up to me and she'll be standing next to me and they'll be like, hey, you got to have a boy. You and V got to have a boy, man. You got somebody carry on the tradition, the legacy. She's like, oh, I got this. <laughs> you know, boy, for that, I got this. Like, that's right. Yes, you do. You got this. His legacy will be felt because of all of us who make, you know, Kobe did the one thing that we all, all of us as athletes hope our legacy does, and that makes you feel. And he made us all feel a certain way when he was on the court, when his presence was in the room or in the building or in the state, you know, his presence, he made you feel. And um, I think that's where his legacy is going to be remembered, just because he made us all feel uh, that anything was possible and that any injury, anything that life handed to us was just an obstacle and a challenge that we needed to conquer and uh, you know I, I feel that you know the impact he's made in so many of our lives from my generation and next generation to generations before me is gonna uh, is why he's gonna be uh, living forever as a legend Mackie and Judd with Rami Rami Rami's sick today back with us hopefully tomorrow we told him just Stay home. Don't uh, don't get us sick. But what a twenty four hour period, Judd Zolgad. Just uh, I don't know. I think I started making a list of the celebrity or athlete deaths that have hit me the hardest, and why why those that hit me hard hit me hard, and why other ones just sort of I don't know happen and yeah, you don't feel anything. And the list I came up with, and it might be incomplete, just just for me personally, mm-hmm. I would love yours too, mm-hmm. Dale Earnhardt. Mostly because I grew up, my my uncle was a racer in lacrosse, and I grew up a big NASCAR fan, and Dale Earnhardt was one of my favorite athletes. And I think when you grow up, you're more impressionable when you're in your elementary school age, your your teenage years. And then I think it's a combination of, did you grow up? Well, let me give you the list, and I'll give you the theory. Dale Earnhardt, Kirby Puckett, Prince, and Kobe Bryant are the four that have hit me hard in my life. And I think the reason they hit me hard, and I, maybe other people can relate to this, is because I started following them, listening to their music, and or watching them as athletes, and they became a part of my conscious brain when I was of school age and or teenager age. And so you're just more absorbent in terms of like the things you become attached to Absolutely. during the, those years. Yep. And then the jarring nature of the deaths. So it's it's that's where I yep. think the intersection is here. If you grew up in that era and you grew up watching Kobe Bryant and he has been 
soaked up into your consciousness for 20 years and then the sudden jarring nature of the death and that is what I'm feeling and I think a lot of other people are feeling today. So I, I got to the uh, Gopher basketball game against Michigan State yesterday and Dawn had texted me and I didn't respond because I was walking to the arena and she then called me and said, did you hear? And I could tell something was like really wrong. And she said, um, TMZ is reporting that Kobe Bryant's dead. And your first thought, at the age of 50, my first thought is no way. And then it quickly is, well, TMZ is not really wrong about this stuff, so it's probably true. Yeah. And, and that began um, that began the point of where I probably still am right now, which is just trying to process through it. And I think what I think the deaths like this that get me the most and leave you just sort of confused, if that's the right word, is also Kobe Bryant and his 13 year old daughter and seven other people on Sunday left their house for a simple day. Like, like nothing, nothing that was dangerous or that you would say, oh my goodness, that's dangerous. Nothing with the full intention that they'd be home for dinner. And by the way, like some people might say, well, what do you mean not dangerous? They got into a helicopter and there's, well, Kobe Bryant has taken helicopter rides. Right. I was going to say thousands of times in his life. Not, not something that you would think to yourself, you're not coming home. And I think that's the thing. And, and this goes beyond Kobe. This is true of people today who will walk out their door and not come home. That's the hardest thing that I have processing. I mean, he's 41. His daughter's 13. Everybody on that helicopter was Howell, probably in their 50s at the oldest. So that's the thing that it's just so difficult. And and then take that and extrapolate that to people like you and Manny Hill, who grew up watching this guy. And no matter what we, you know, no matter what the story of Kobe's life is, he was a superhero on the basketball court. And that's just gone. And now there will be no Hall of Fame induction speech, which would have been magnificent. There's no tomorrow. You know, that's the, it's just the jarring thing of this can be life. Now, I will say this though. So the hardest thing now is that this is the time that you get the, hug your loved ones, and I agree with that. That's great. But if we really left our houses every single day thinking, I might not come home, your life becomes very complicated. So so to me, what this provides is, I guess, an, an appreciation of those things. But in two weeks from now, if you were to say, well, Kobe died and I might, you know, that, that's an impossible thing. We're, we're not built as humans to process like that because think about the nature of that. But this does provide the window of opportunity within probably a week or so or less to have a true appreciation of the fact that life is precious and that a guy like that at 41, just a superstar, and his life is on, you know, seemingly a great track, is just gone. Yeah. I also think there's room for all of the pieces of the discussion, too. It, It almost feels like there's kind of a black or a white, you know, the the... The rape allegations versus the deification of Kobe as an athlete and as a personality, and I, I think there's room in there's room in this discussion for all of it. If you want to go through the list of all the things that Kobe Bryant was in his life, sure, he's one of the more uniquely talented people. Just to start with, athletically, obviously, is one of the greatest performers of all time athletically in the history of humankind. I mean, he's one of the He's one of the five to ten best basketball players. Some people might debate like top three or top 15, but he's one of the greatest human being athletes of all time. Right. Competitively, he's not only has he won five championships and once dropped 81 points in an NBA game, but he actually went 
and walked to the free throw line with a torn Achilles tendon and knocked down two free throws and got up at 2 o'clock in the morning to shoot a 1,000 jump shots before practice, like, competitively, uniquely off the charts. Mm Mm-hmm. And creatively, the guy won an Oscar. The guy won an Oscar two years after retiring from the NBA, which we're going to play that, by the way. It's three, it's three minutes, and it's worth playing at some point on the show. On the flawed side, yes, the Colorado situation from 15 years ago. But I would say in the middle of the two bookends of good and bad and uh, black and white is a vast gray area where Kobe Bryant spent most of the last 15 years, at least from what we see publicly and what we can deduce based on his current his uh his relationship with his wife that maintained itself right that that dude spent 15 years trying to get better and evolve as a person and well and it sounds like he was a very good parent and I don't know him but I mean it sounds like that right but why is it so why is it when people die and th- th- this is true of death across the board superstars non superstars why is it that we as humans need to be on the he was a saint side or or he was a terrible person side the gray, the gray is the more relatable area but that's that's what may, but what i don't understand is when people die this is when we should talk about them as humans mm-hmm. kobe bryant i'm sure was not perfect at all that doesn't mean he didn't die tragically and that does not mean it to me the most important thing is that doesn't mean that he didn't impact hundreds of thousands or millions of people with what he did on the court and that meant something to them and Kobe Bryant, like it or not, because I saw this on Twitter on Sunday about a lot of people who were like, oh, I feel bad. One, you should feel bad. Like, there's no, there, this whole thing that I see now on Twitter and, and in various forums about how people should grieve or not grieve or Kobe Bryant did this or that. I don't get, it's not your, it's not your decision to tell me how I should grieve. And it's not my decision to tell you that. That's a very personal thing. And the other thing with a guy like Kobe or a great star is, Okay, you didn't know that person personally, but think of how many hundreds of nights that you watched that person on TV and basically, in essence, invited him or her into your home. So to say, well, they weren't they weren't your friend or something is nonsense. They were a part of your life. Yes, and and so I just I it mystifies me though how there are some people out there who believe that this is all black and white. Well, Kobe was the greatest of all time, and that's it. Okay, or Kobe did this in Colorado, and that's it. That's okay. Short of being just the worst person in the history of, of the world, and we could certainly talk about them. But if you're just a person who made mistakes and screwed up, that's your life. That's life. So you don't need to tell me, well, he did this wrong, and so we should talk about that. No, it's all part, to your point, it's all part of a conversation that is a conversation about human beings. Yes. That's correct. what makes us human beings. I know. Do you it's, think I haven't screwed up? Correct. Oh, my God. I mean, it's... You it, know? it's it's. I think it's it's amazing how... We just, if if someone isn't perfect, we feel we find the need to make sure. Well, you, you or or on the flip, it's. I think you just nailed it. The gray area is the area that is the most relatable to humans that aren't famous. And I think I would I would let me go back to kind of the beginning of what you just said. And by the way, open phone lines. This is just this is going to be kind of a unique show. Mackie and Jeb with Rami here. And uh, Richard Patino, you're going to hear from Richard Patino. You're going to hear from Jim Peterson, Bobby Marks, ESPN's NBA front office insider. Bobby Marks' first scouting assignment in 1996 as a, as a fledgling scout in the NBA was to go watch 17 year old Kobe Bryant, okay. and and he drove Kobe Bryant around for three different workouts as a 17 year old. We're going to get that story. 
from Bobby Marks at at five thirty today. But six five one six four six eight two five five six five one six four six eight two five five. If you want to chime in here, um, I think uh, on on the Kobe front, I just think it's so multifaceted. I think all of these things that Kobe Bryant is, I can't think of a celebrity or an athlete that checked as many boxes as Kobe Bryant did. I was watching the jump this afternoon with Rachel Nichols, and she had Jerry West on, and Tracy McGrady was her childhood friend, Ice Cube, David Fisdale, and Richard Jefferson, all who grew up in Los Angeles, all from different areas of Los Angeles and different eras, too, of Los Angeles. And David Fisdale said, Kobe Bryant is really one of the only people on the planet that can walk into anyone's home Anywhere in Los Angeles, from Compton to the hills, right? And be welcome with open arms because he actually, not because he's a celebrity and because he's, but because he actually can relate and connect with all those people. Mm-hmm. Dude traveled the world, uh, played basketball in Europe because he came from, I believe it was a military background, correct? His, his, or, or no, I'm sorry. Basketball his, background. His, uh, father his played basketball played. in Europe. Yep. And um, wound up playing high school basketball in Philly. So he's got that Philly sports edge, but that Hollywood smile and personality that relates to everyone. And I don't know if you can say that about a lot of guys. I mean, Magic Johnson probably didn't even. You know, came in the league at what, 18 or so, and didn't care about anybody else, perfected his craft, was it sounds like a complete pain. And he left as a guy who was giving back to young players. Like, the guy grew, which, again, is what humans should do. That's what you'd like to hear, right? There's a lot. I mean, if you go go back to when you were 18, you probably weren't the greatest person ever. You were probably selfish as hell. And so you hopefully evolve and can teach people things and can improve. And it sounds like, and, and I will be careful to say, I don't know him, and we don't know, as a rule, athletes. Yep. So I'm just saying from what I've observed and read and, and seen that it sounded like he made steps to become a much better person. And so it's fine to talk about him in all contexts. That doesn't make what happened yesterday not scary and very, very sad. Yeah, It's still scary. Do you guys ever think about, Jonathan, too, do you guys ever think about what people will do or say when you die? Like, does that ever factor into your day-to-day and... Not that we're living on the same level that Kobe Bryant was by any means, but like, do you ever think about even in your interactions with your family and your friends and your coworkers and just random people that you've never met before? That why well, I just I wonder what people are going to say about me when I die because the feedback on Kobe Bryant outside of the 2005 chatter, which hey, there's room for that too, is so glowingly positive about him as a human, not just as a basketball player, but as a human being, and that's something that I envy and aspire to be better at. What do you get? Like, does that, do you guys get reflective like that? I get very reflective during situations like these. Before I became a parent, and I have a four year old, before I became a parent, I always wondered what other people would say about me. But now, after having a kid and, and trying to raise him up and to be a good person, I legitimately only care about what he thinks and what he is after, you know, I die. And that's something that, like, hit me hard when I heard Kobe. Brian was dead is that he now leaves kids behind with his wife and she now has to raise him by herself and I come from a single family home my my mom raised me and my brother and so that was one of those things that hit me and I really thought about it like how is my kid gonna think about me when I die how will he remember me 
And so that's kind of where I'm at with all that. Well, I don't give it much thought, to be honest with you. It's fair. I probably try not to think about stuff like that. But it is, it rips your heart out that his mm-hmm. da- daughter was there. Like, yeah. as a parent, imagine what that's those... got to be, it's one thing for a parent or adult to, to die, and this is tragic. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine, though, as that, as if they knew that there was going to be a crash, your 13-year-old kid, who you absolutely love, and you know there's nothing, and think about that. Actually, You're Kobe Bryant. Let's play this clip here. Jonathan and I found this floating around. This is Kobe Bryant. He was being asked a question sometime in the last few years. Mm -hmm. He's being asked a question about why he takes helicopters places. And and just think about the irony in his answer here. You know, after school activities, all that fun stuff, even on weekends. But then traffic started getting really, really bad. Right. And I was sitting in traffic and I wound up missing like a school play Mm -hmm. because I was sitting in traffic. And this this thing just kept mounting. I had to figure out a way where I could still train and focus on the craft but still not compromise family time. Mm. And so that's when I looked into helicopters and be able to get down and back in 15 minutes. Mm. And, and that's when it started. And so my routine was always the same. Waits early in the morning, kids to school, fly down, practice like crazy, do my extra work, media, everything I needed to do, fly back, get back in carpool line, pick the kids up. And my wife was like, listen, I can pick them up. I'm like, no, no, no. I, I want to do that because mm-hmm. like, you know, you have road trips and times where you're not, you don't see your right. kids, man, right. you know? So, like, every chance I get to see them and spend time with them, even if it's 20 minutes in their car, like, I want that. Like, he wasn't, I think there there was some initial, I don't know, you know, it's probably a small minority of people, but an, an initial, oh, my God, like, the risk of taking a helicopter and these things. And, well, he's, and he's not taking the helicopter to show how flashy he is. I think that was a thing, too, when he was a player that, Oh, of course he's gonna. He's it's right. L.A. and Go it's Kobe, games. and he makes thirty million dollars a year, and he's gonna take a helicopter because just because he's gonna be flashy and he can. I mean, listening to him lay out that answer, no, I want to maximize my time to be a great player and great. And now I'm, I'm sure part of this in his post playing career is be great at the at the writing and the business building and the investing in the uh, academy right. and make time for all that, and also be able to attend my kids school programs and sporting events and obviously like 99.9 percent of the country can't even like consider taking a helicopter somewhere because we don't make enough money sure but when you do he it's not coming from a place of flash and insecurity it's coming from a place of functionality and well i've got i've made this much money and i have the means to be able to go from point a to point b in 15 minutes and do it for my kids and that's the sad irony of absolutely what happened yesterday yeah and, and it's just I don't know exactly. I don't know at my age now if the processing will just stop with me accepting it or or what. That that's what I always find to be very interesting about things like this is when do you because you you accept it happened, but it doesn't seem real still. If that makes sense, like you know it happened, it's not going o- away. Um, and then just to see to your point too, the amount of people and the reaction to this, and and look the amount of players now who grew up. Idolizing this guy, he he was. In fact, I think uh, Brad Stevens, the Celtics coach, said this yesterday. He was to a lot of players today. They're Jordan because the mantle very much went Michael, Kobe, LeBron. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no d- question about that. Mm-hmm. It, it's not like well, Kobe was really good, but you know who else was really good? No, it was it was very much. I to me, it's cut and dry. Jordan, Kobe, LeBron, 
And so now to have a guy that so many of these guys who play today's game idolized and watched, and I think clearly also talked to, because it sounds like Kobe was a good enough guy to be available to them to try and mentor and consult. And just to have that, because these are kids. These players are kids. Carl Anthony Towns is nothing more than a kid. He's, what, 24? Mm -hmm. That's a kid. And to have something like this where, you know, we're used to grandparents dying and things like that. But to have somebody who's still this young, who was in the league really not that long ago, just ripped away, and to have young players process it, I really wish, I really thought and wished that they could have at least canceled the slate of NBA games on Sunday, because I don't think it was fair to make people play. Actually, that's a that's a good segue I here. I it. 651-646-8255. You'll hear from Richard Patino in about 10 minutes. Uh, Tom Pelissero will join us. It is Super Bowl week, and and Tom grew up in the in the same era that I did. He's just a couple years older than I am. The where you Michael Jordan was definitely the first guy that got you hooked on the NBA, but Kobe was the first player of that caliber that you watched his whole career. If you were if you were born in the and 1980s, he was young, basically. so you 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 saw him from day one. Yes, uh, Wesley, you actually have thoughts on whether the NBA should have canceled yesterday. Go ahead, you're on with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. Yeah, yeah, you guys just brought it up, and uh, I was just uh, just horrible news, very sad, and I just I thought it was a little bit inappropriate that Adam Silver didn't cancel all the games. You know, like you guys were just saying, all those kids grew up looking up to him. You know, a lot of the guys on the court were his close friends. Um, I know I saw Kevin Love was just just torn apart, and um, yeah, I I kind of think they should have canceled the games. Um, so I just wanted to hear what you guys thought about that. Thanks. Honestly, I agree. I wish I could fight both you guys. I agree. I thought it was ludicrous that they played basketball yesterday. And I just don't. Completely unnecessary. And I don't care about schedules. Like, I just don't. It just Everyone can play one fewer game or whatever. Like, yeah, exactly. It, just, it doesn't matter. Or If, if it, it matters, play, a, exactly. play an extra game yes. later. That's what I kept thinking. It's like dudes were dudes were crying on the court yesterday. Yeah, there's the video of Tyson Chandler, I believe, on the bench at the start of the game. Oh, there's just, a bunch of guys. His eyes are just... Red. There's a bunch of guys bawling, and I, mean, I don't. Yeah. I mean, like, listen, don't blame them. Listen to this. Just listen to this clip, and you tell me. Oh yeah, we we should for sure play these basketball games today. Six five one six four six eight two five five. By the way, I mean, this is just shocking news for all of us. And sorry, I don't have a lot to say. Uh, I just can't. Uh, I have to go talk to a team uh, before a game and tell them to play. <laughs> okay. Dude, like that's that's before a game. That's Doc Rivers. That is before a game. That's a guy who's probably sixty, right? Yeah, I just thought it was. I just I, think you cancel it. And now, and I know that as games are as games are happening throughout the afternoon, because like Sunday, there's a lot of earlier start times. Yeah. The the LAPD had not publicly confirmed the names. TMZ had, and Adrian Wojnarowski had, and so the NBA is kind of caught between. Okay, well, these reports are coming out, but the families haven't been notified, and I kind of get that, but. I just thought the NBA man. Can, the NBA can find out. All you need to know is Kobe Bryant's dead and that you don't play those games. Yeah. Six five one six four six eight two five five. It's it's an open forum for Kobe discussion here on the show today. Jason in Lakeville, you're on the show. Hey guys, how's it going? Hey man. Hey, so I've called in before, it's been a little while, but I grew up uh, outside of Lower Marin High School where Kobe went to school. I'm a ninety eight graduate graduate, he graduated in ninety six. But, Phil, when you're talking about, you know, just going from Jordan to Kobe, I really think it was both of their competitive natures. I mean, just all around, 
he wanted the shot. He wanted the ball. I mean, he was in your face. He wanted the game. Would you agree? Yes. Wholeheartedly, yeah. Yes. They, they were both ultra competitive, great players. Jason, yeah. what can I actually can I ask you a question? Because yeah. you went you went to you went to the same high school as Kobe, you said? No, 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 I'm not saying that though. I went to a high school that was about fifteen miles southeast of him. However, his school did come through mine on their way to the state championship in gotcha. What was do you remember at all? Because I mean, he he had to have been receiving some level of hype. I know it was pre social media era, but do you remember anything about so just the, the hype? Man, so he was a man beast. He was a man amongst children. You you wouldn't have seen anything like it before on a high school basketball court. No question about it. Yeah, I mean that's what he was like in the NBA too. It's amazing. Yeah. Hey Jason, no th- thanks for calling. Thanks, Jason. Let's just let's go through a few more here. Garrett, you're on the show. Hi guys, thanks for having me. I'm a first time caller, um, but uh, one of the main things that I wanted to get at about Kobe was I was kind of a casual basketball fan, but Kobe was still like larger than life when it came to the NBA. But I I feel like we've seen Kobe in like the news or on Sports Center a lot recently. You know when he got passed by LeBron on the scoring list and. Like, he's giving speeches to, like, his girls' basketball team and all that stuff. And so kind of finding out about it that not only was he um, unfortunately killed, but his his little girl was on the plane, too. Like, seeing that video of him on the sideline speaking, like, strategy with uh, his daughter, um, I kind of just, like, I can see in my head, like, that video happening and then, like, fading to gray with, like, sad music, knowing that they're they're gone now it it just ripped my heart out yesterday knowing that those two people him and his daughter were taken like that in such a unexpected way and i wasn't really expecting to have uh this amount of emotions about it um but here we are yeah man that's that's a great call but the things that because i didn't expect to feel this way either i i don't know it's the shock factor is one but People can you can relate to so many things. You can relate to not being a perfect human and trying to get better. You you can relate to having kids maybe that you bring to practice. I mean, how many people listening right now have brought their kid to basketball practice or a game in the last seventy two hours? Right? You probably drove. You probably didn't take a helicopter. Right. But there's danger on the roads. Maybe even more so than in a helicopter. The amount of things that are relatable and terrifying to think about. Mm-hmm. That's that's why. It's okay to feel the way that we feel. And you do not know how you're going to react or feel until it happens. And for, fortunately, thank God, it ordinarily doesn't. But you just don't know. Mm-hmm. But I'm sorry. A 41-year-old who so many people loved and watched with his daughter dying, there is no way. There's no way. If you had told me that this was gonna going to uh, happen on Friday, there's no way that I would have told you, yeah, I think I'll be okay with it. Like, you just can't yeah. be. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Let's go to let's go to Mark here. Mark, you're on the show. Hey guys. Um I'm glad that you're doing the show. I think it's an, it's uh, good to have these conversations. But the point that I wanted to make was the fact that um we it's okay for us to be sad for his family, be sad about the fact that someone who in all likelihood was going to be giving so much back to not only the basketball community, but the community in general, in addition to his, losing his daughter at the same time. 
it's okay to do that. And at the same time, when we're doing our introspection and, and uh, talking about his life, to note his infallibilities, you know, and to, and to note the fact that, that uh, he had fallen down a few times. And that's okay, too. It doesn't make somebody, it, 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 like you said before, we don't have to choose one side or the other. The reality is a reality. And whether it's a 41-year-old, you know, perfect person, or it's a 41-year-old who had had some missteps, that doesn't change the fact that it's a tragedy when a life is taken too early. Mark, thank you. Exactly. Thank you for the perspective. That's exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. By the way, Chad tweets into the show. Yep. And he says, on Around the Horn here on ESPN, they said the general managers of all of the teams had a conference call with Adam Silver yesterday and decided that they should play the games yesterday because that's what Kobe Bryant I would have wanted. Disagree. I disagree. Kobe might have, but when you have coaches sobbing and players sobbing, I would, I would say that's justification for what, why they played, but don't play the games. Again, these are, until you see, because I know that these players are all huge men, right? And you see them play and you think, oh man, they're infallible, infallible too. Uh, but when you go in locker rooms, Phil, and you, you've seen this too, and you know, like a hockey locker room, NBA, these are, a lot of them are just kids. Mm-hmm. They're just kids. And they've had this guy who was a hero ripped out of their lives. He is gone. A lot of them talk to him probably. He's never coming back. So the whole thing of, well, that's Kobe, That okay, I get what they're saying, but in this occasion, I think human decency has to weigh in and say, it's not that important today. I'm not saying cancel a week's worth of games, and I'm not saying tonight's games, but just for that one day, as you're finding out, and getting what tragically, with, with the way the news cycle works now, is a play-by-play, like, here's who might be dead, here's who, okay, let's just back off for one day. Yeah, this was, by the way, this is at the beginning Yesterday, Nets and Knicks. This was Mike. So Mike. Oh, Mike Breen is Mike Breen. For my money, is one of the most underrated broadcasters in the history of American sports. And this was him before the Nets Knicks game yesterday. I thought of Bill Gallo. Gallo is the uh, legendary sports cartoonist. That uh, when Thurman Munson passed away, the next day he had an unbelievably touching cartoon, and it was his two characters that he had: Baseman Bertha and Yucky. And the cartoon read, Baseman Bertha saying, no, Yucky, I just don't feel like playing ball today. And she was crying. And that's the way I think a lot of us feel here tonight. Just don't feel like broadcasting. I know a lot of the players, <clears throat> excuse me, don't feel like playing. It's just a sad, sad day. God. Yeah. I mean, that's put perfectly. So we'll get to more of your calls. And this is just, it's an open forum on Mackie and Jeb with Rami. To discuss Kobe Bryant, 651-646-8255. In the next segment, you'll hear from Richard Pitino. You'll hear from Jim Peterson. Tom Pelissero will join us at the top of the next hour, and we might talk some football with him. It's Super Bowl week, but he also grew up in the, the same era here, the Kobe Bryant era. And we'll talk to Bobby Marks, who worked for 20 years in NBA front offices, and his first scouting assignment was scouting 17-year-old Kobe Bryant. That'll be at 530 on today's show. So, again, 651-646-8255. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami from the TCL Studios, Judd Zolgad. Thank but, you, uh, Phil. We've got to pay some bills here today. Yep, so and for, first I'd l- like to talk about my friend Jason Walgrave and the Walgrave Real Estate Group and their guaranteed sales program. 
as, as sports fans know, we all love guarantees, right? Now, what if I told you that I've got a guarantee that could hit close to home? I'm not talking about a sports guarantee. I'm not talking about a win. I'm not talking about a player being an MVP. I'm talking about a guarantee that is really a guarantee that impacts you. If you are looking to sell your house, Jason and his team will guarantee the sale of your home when you list with the Walgrave Real Estate Group. Yes, that's right. I said guarantee. Why well, have a guaranteed offer when you can have a guaranteed sale? I'll say that again. Why have a guaranteed offer? Because we've got guaranteed offers right and left in this town. When You can definitely have a guaranteed sale. All you need to do is simply go to minnesotahometalk.com, click on the guaranteed sale button to learn how this program works. If you're going to move this spring, now is the time to act. Because we all know that there's stress, right? There's decisions to be made. There's different things. But with Jason, you've got a guaranteed sale program. So we're talking about the guaranteed sale of your home. And now you're asking again, well, how do I cash in on that? Again, go to minnesotahometalk.com, click on the guaranteed sale button to learn more. That's minnesotahometalk.com and click on the guaranteed sale button. I'll guarantee you, you'll be glad you did. Let's also real quick talk about Luther Brookdale Toyota 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard. So uh, w- one of the things that I just love about my still sort of brand new 2019 RAV4, it doesn't look quite as new on the inside now that I've completed a move over these last two weeks, but it's very durable and sturdy and it's the best vehicle I've ever owned and I just, I love the way that the interior entertainment console system, the Entune system with Apple CarPlay, I love the way that it essentially turns my RAV4 into a smartphone. And so when we're done with the show today and I'm driving home, uh, traffic can move as slow as it wants. I've got a lot of Kobe audio to listen to. And all I have to do is tap any app that's on my phone. It'll pop up on the screen. Anything that plays audio, whether it's the Score North app or Spotify, you name it. You can tap and you can listen and um, find out what I've been talking about here with with this car transforming into a smartphone deal by checking out any of the brand new cars, the 2020 models at Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard. And uh, you'll find out why my family and I have been going to the same place for 30 plus years, Luther Brookdale Toyota. Jonathan here with the Score North download. We'll get you back to Mackie and Judd with Rami in just a second. Obviously, the story of the day, and we've been talking about it all show long, is the tragic death of Kobe Bryant and eight others, including his 13-year-old daughter, Gianna, yesterday. News breaking over the break that the NBA has postponed the Los Angeles Lakers-Los Angeles Clippers game that was set to take place tomorrow. That game will be made up at a later date. We will keep you up to date with more information as we get it here on Score North. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Mackie and Judd Rami. Yeah, that's, man... I don't know what to read into that, so all we can do is speculate. But my guess is the Lakers just need a minute still before they play a basketball game. I'm sure so many of those guys. The city does, right? The city does. The whole city does. And the only. LeBron James has not spoken on this yet, correct? Correct. The only footage we've seen is like the helicopter footage of him in the parking lot sobbing. But he hasn't spoken, correct. Yeah, I just got to think that with how much Kobe meant for 20 years to that organization that as as cool as it would have been to see them put on a tribute tomorrow night, it's possible that they just need a few more days. And I haven't looked at their schedule, but do they play a home game later this week then? I think they play on Friday, if I remember correctly. Let me just pull it up here. I would love to see LeBron James drop 60 on someone in his I next wonder game. when the service is going to yes, be as Friday well. Yes, Friday against the Blazers. It's a it's a, it's a home game yep. Friday night, and it's already scheduled to be on ESPN. And so Friday is night the service be. probably going to be in the next three or four days before that? Wait, I don't know. I I would almost want to get through the service before I play again. Yeah, ideally. But um, and you know what? 
here's something that frustrated me about LeBron. I saw some people saying, "Oh, he's got to issue a statement." No, he doesn't. No, he t- well, he'll he'll talk at some point. No, I know, but I mean, there was this immediate reaction of, "Where's LeBron? Where's his voice?" He's oh, devastated. Okay, I know he's done. I know he's a a guy who's considered the focal point of the league now, and I know that he does a lot of things to get out in front. But this is one of his good friends who just died. He doesn't owe you anything. And what's like he can wait till he what however long he needs to wait. Again, he ain't. It's not like he's some fifty-five-year-old sage. Yeah, you know this whole thing of well, he should talk. No, he'll talk when he's ready to talk. But, this is he owes he owes the public right now, in my opinion, zero. And when he wants to talk, he will, and he'll be great. And I would also add, being silent right now says a lot. Mm-hmm. It's, it's I think it's. I think it's a great example of, you know what? There's just some times in life where you need to take a step back and hit the pause button and just reflect and soak it in for better or worse. And this is one of those moments. And think about for him, the night before Kobe died, he passed Kobe on the NBA's all-time scoring list. Just the the gravity in Philadelphia. In Kobe's hometown. Correct. The gravity of that for a LeBron James I can't even fathom. And why would LeBron James, for all he's done on a basketball court, and socially too, why would LeBron James be able to process this more than we can? He's also a and, human. And yeah. and he's friends with Kobe, so it's worse. So for all of us who are still trying to process this, imagine being LeBron James trying to process this. Man. And then to be like, he should talk. Not only no, are you, he should talk when he wants to talk. Not only are you trying to process... Perhaps one of the worst losses of your life. If you know, he, you know, he he also he grew up watching Kobe a little bit in his you know early teens, sure. and then because LeBron came in in two thousand three, there's about a seven year age gap between the two of them, something like that. And so you're you're trying to process losing a close friend, losing an icon, losing someone that's probably been a mentor to you for sure on the USA Olympic basketball team fifteen years ago. And then while you're trying to process this and you're trying to cope with this and deal with this, you have the weight of the entire NBA world, and in some cases, just the entire world, looking at you for the perfect right. response, right? the perfect, most eloquent thing. Hey, it's not enough to to have to deal with this and process this in the middle of an NBA season in which, by the way, now we're going to expect you to win the championship for Kobe, mm-hmm. like like the the weight, and again... There's weight on all of the families of everyone who died in that helicopter crash yesterday, so I'm not trying to minimize that either. But that's actually, before we get to Richard Pitino, that's actually another thing, because I, I have seen a little bit of, you know, hey, why are we putting one guy on a pedestal here? People die every day. Or other people, called, um, Yeah, I got that call. And what I would say is, like, this is not to minimize other people who died on in that helicopter by any means or people who die in any situation in any given day. But it's not often you have someone die very suddenly at an age that's you know, 35, 40 years before their life expectancy timer should be up that impacted hundreds of millions of people. He touched and impacted hundreds of millions of people, mm-hmm. either in a positive way through sports and gave them joy or, or even in some ways as a TV character villain that you tuned in to watch X amount of times, especially in June during the NBA Finals, or in his post-playing career as a as a mentor figure and somebody who was trying to do good for women's basketball 
you know, I. This is what happens when you get a groundswell of a hundred million or whatever the number is. You get all tens of millions of people that were all that all felt impacted by one person. Then yes, like that that person gets put on a pedestal, and that's okay. We don't have to apologize for that. And we we got that call today on Vetline saying exactly that. Of the, there were more than you know Kobe on board, and yes, you're exactly right. And what I said is this. If you choose if you choose to be impacted by somebody else's death on that copter more than Kobe, that's your right too. Again, you can't tell people what they exactly here's how you get to mourn. It's not how this works. Yeah. So so if you were more impacted by whomever's death, that's fine too. No one's gonna come back and say, Yeah, but Kobe died, so you shouldn't be No. That's what makes the that's what makes this life. There's no rules to, to this. It's hard enough to process this entire thing without being told how you're supposed to go about those steps, right? Yeah. By the way, Simon tweets into the show here, just a heads up, ESPN tonight at 8 o'clock is going to re-air Kobe's last game, the 60-point game. Mm. I remember watching that live, and didn't I? Oh, it's Kobe's last game. I'll tune in and watch this. And it just kept escalating and escalating, and they were down by 10 with two minutes to go, and he just goes he goes on a 13-0 run to get to, get to 60 points. It is one of the five or ten times sports moved me to tears, where I'm sitting in my living room and I'm just like tear, like I've got tears in my eyes, like what did I just watch? Yeah, this is it's a, it's a regular season finale against the Jazz, and it's but like Kobe dropping sixty. That's what makes sports great, though. So, um, like like we've been saying all show here, this is just an open forum for you guys, the listeners, for us to talk about Kobe Bryant six five one six four six eight two five five, and a little bit earlier today, we welcomed in Richard Patino. To the open forum, and I'll just throw this to Jonathan to click play. But Richard Pitino, uh, he he called us earlier, and he spoke yesterday. You were at the press conference after the game, but he you know he got to think about this, went home to his wife, uh, slept on it, and uh, and this is our conversation. Or I guess this is my conversation uh, from earlier today with Richard Pitino. All right, welcome in, uh, Phil Mackey here on this Monday, and Richard Pitino, you were you were coaching a basketball game. During the Kobe Bryant breaking news yesterday, and I guess when um, we all we, we're, we're all sort of just left to deal with this, however we personally d- choose to deal with it. But how do you how do you deal with something like that as you're finding out while you're trying to do your job and coach a basketball game? When did you find out, and then what was it like initially as you're trying to manage your day yesterday? Yeah, that, I'm gonna be honest. Um, that was really really hard. I, I found out my mom texted my family because it was like right before the game was kind of that TMZ was reporting something. And like everybody else, you, know, you go to Twitter because you're trying to find the answer. And when nobody else is tweeting it, you're like, okay, well, what's going on? Um, so probably about 20 minutes before uh, it was confirmed. And uh, I'm going to be honest, I was devastated. And like, I don't know Kobe Bryant at all. Um, but it, it just rocked my world. And uh, it just, it was weird because, you know, none of my none of my players have their phones on them, but Eric Curry um, did because he's not playing. And I, I was speaking to the team, and then all of a sudden I looked over at Eric after I spoke, and you could see Eric checked his phone and made a face. And I looked at him like, don't, you know, because our guys would have been absolutely rocked. Um, you know, we've got a couple of guys. I mean, Daniel Oturl idolizes Kobe Bryant. Um, you know, and it's just uh, – it, it, hit, it hits home, you know, obviously for – Anybody who's got kids, um, you know, what I loved, Kobe Bryant, obviously the basketball player, was an unbelievable competitor. But I just related more to him as 
41 years old and really, really embracing being a father. And I, I just loved seeing it. You know, it, it just seeing his, you know, sitting courtside with his daughter, bringing her to games, coaching the team. Uh, that really resonated with me. So uh, it was a hard day, and it's still pretty hard. I think, too, I, I, I've i spent a lot of time just in the last, I don't know, 18, 24 hours trying to figure out, because I also have never met Kobe Bryant, but th- this this hit me harder and continues to hit me harder than maybe even a lot of people that have passed away that I know personally or that are in my family, and I'm just trying to reconcile how can that be and why is that. I think if you're... Especially if you're in your mid thirties or your upper thirties, I mean, kind of around the age that we are, Kobe Bryant was part of your consciousness for like twenty years. And yeah. w- whether it's athletes or musical artists, if you've never met them, it doesn't really matter if they've if they've been taking up real estate in your mind, either consciously or subconsciously, for that long. It's a huge loss. Yeah, and, and I think the hard, you know, for us because because I'm thirty seven and like, how old are you? I'm thirty four. Yeah, so like. We were kind of, okay, the Michael Jordan, then the Kobe era. And Kobe was kind of like our Michael Jordan a little bit, you know. And I, I, I still think the most devastating part of it was, you know, it wasn't like he was doing anything wrong. He was he was going to take his daughter to a basketball game. And, you know, that that's the part that is so hard. Um, and I agree with you. I mean, I, I've, um, unfortunately, you know, I lost an uncle at 9-11. That was obviously very, very hard, and, you know. You have grandparents and so on, but you know, like me, my wife sat up last night uh, and just talked and cried multiple times about it, just because um, he, he just he he was such a he poured his heart and soul into everything. I mean, that that was the thing that for all of us, that's what we're trying to do. You know, we're trying to be passionate about life, and I just thought the passion that he was putting in for for girls basketball, for women's basketball, because he knew his daughter uh, wanted to be that at some point. Uh, you know, you saw that Jimmy, I think it was Jimmy Kimmel, what that clip about talking about legacy and this and that. And his daughter's like, no, I'll be, I'll, I'll create my own. I mean, it was just so special to see. And you could see, you could see the joy on his face, you know, because Kobe was, you didn't see that as a player. Um, you know, he was so driven and so focused that he wasn't smiling much and doing all those things because he was so caught up in the moment uh, where it was really, really cool over the last four, you know, three or four years to see the the person and he wanted to tackle that, you know. He wanted to be, he wanted to be the greatest father and be the greatest, you know, ambassador of girls' basketball, women's basketball out there. What are the things that you know? You talk about how it hit hard for some of your players yesterday, especially Daniel Aturu, and you know, what are what are what are one or two things that you would like your players, either from a basketball sense or just from from an off the court sense, to take from Kobe Bryant? Well. You know, I think the biggest, like Kobe was a bit of a uh, throwback, you know, I mean, in the sense of he didn't care what you thought, you know, because I think the modern day millennial athlete, you know, and that's normal is because of social media wants to be like, you know, they, they don't want to rock the boat. Um, they, they, Kobe put himself out there and was not scared to be fearless and to fight and to be competitive. You know, sometimes, I think some millennials are a little bit worried about, you know, going that guys, you know, because it's just not quite in their nature as much anymore. Um, and you know, that, that just, you're on, you're just trying to knock the opponent out and, uh, you know, just, just an absolute fierce competitor. And, and he's a little bit, Kobe kind of reminds me of Tiger Woods a little bit, you know, and I think that 
if our guys could learn from that, you know, just that win, you, you, no matter what, find a way to get the win and then move on to the next one. You know, he seemed like he was never, ever satisfied. Um, and, you know, our guys obviously could learn a lot from that. Yeah. And just last thing for you, what was? do you remember the first time you realized who Kobe Bryant was or the first time you watched him and, oh, this is, okay, this this is a thing now. This this is the next era of the NBA. Well, obviously, I was he the first? Uh, guy did not go to college. I don't know. I think KG. I think Kevin Garnett was the year before. Yeah. I think KG was ninety five, and then and then Kobe in ninety six. Well, obviously, yeah. I mean that that was kind of like the, the the wow. You're gonna go right from high school, like you're not gonna go to college. Um, you know, that's just. Uh, I think it was kind of like, is this gonna work? And you know, obviously, he gets drafted. I believe by the Hornets, right? He gets traded to L.A. and. Um, no, I remember it. I mean, I, you know, my dad was in the NBA when he was playing, or he was coaching the NBA, and and so the NBA is interesting. It's a lot different than college, where you know, in college basketball, it's hey, who won? Maryland, Indiana, Michigan State, Minnesota. When you're into the NBA, it's always oh man, did you see Kobe had sixty points, or did you see that uh, Garnett, you know, had twenty rebounds or whatever? It, it's such a stat-driven league, and the numbers that he was putting up. Uh, were unbelievable to follow. So, and, and, and you could tell too, he was such a like Michael Jordan 2.0. Yeah. You know, I mean, even the way that he was mimicking his moves and his game, and you could just tell that he studied it. You know, and that's the thing that I love more than anything is you could tell he had a passion for what it is that he was doing, and he was going to pour his heart and soul into it. Yeah, Richard Patino. Really appreciate you taking some time out of your your day here today to to share Kobe thoughts and memories and uh, and enjoy the rest of your week as much as possible, man. All right, man. Thanks. All right, thank you. I can't imagine having to sit on that, knowing that you're both coaches. You don't want your players to find out till after the Izzo game. Izzo did the same thing. Yeah, they sat on it till right after. I yeah, I don't know, and I guess you're. Fairly certain once the game starts that there's not going to be a, a way to find out, but man, and to know that, and if you're Patino, I, yeah, <laughs> that's heavy. I don't know. I that's just heavy. don't know. What do you think? I just started jotting down some notes here about how the NBA could honor Kobe or how Kobe could be honored in different ways. Mm-hmm. The, the number one thing I wrote down, and I'm now doing the thing that I just set up LeBron James to like we just talked about LeBron James and how he's got the pressure of the world to say the right thing and to do the right thing and so I am only adding to that pressure by saying that I would love to see him drop 60 points on Portland on Friday night or 80 or 80 I was good yeah that I does just, add to the pressure you're doing him 80, no favors 81 would be would be cool but 80 and then stopping before he gets to Kobe's 81 but if there is a dude like you know LeBron James is physically and mentally capable of doing just about anything within reason on a basketball court. Sure. So I could see him either dropping 24 points in a quarter or 60 points in sure. a game. I could see him doing something like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, what what was your thought on what the Mavs did, which is Mark Cuban said last night that no player will wear 24 again, I believe, yeah. for Dallas. I wouldn't be shocked if 29 other teams follow. I mean the well, the Lakers already did so so twenty eight other 28, teams right I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised he he meant so much to this generation of the game and you know there's different re- how many ninety nines retired in the NHL right yes so no it'd be a little bit like that. that yep it's where you just have now Wayne Gretzky was considered pretty widely the greatest player to ever play hockey there might be some old school Gordy Hell guys right 
But like he's he's there in the top two or three. I don't I mean Kobe's not ahead of Michael in, in the basketball sense, but in terms right. of his influence on this generation, I could see either retiring his number for all thirty teams, or is it time to freshen up the logo? Has Jerry West been the logo Ooh. for long enough? Well, could Jerry that West be has a been the logo since when? Late sixties, yeah, something like that. Could could that's not a could bad you idea. Freshen up the logo with with a Kobe. Although silhouette. if you did it with the Kobe silhouette, then all the Jordan people would come back. I don't know, but that that's not a bad idea. Yeah, but in part, I think, but because of the, the tragedy, Jordan people would understand. It's, yeah, it's, be hard pressed up. You're honoring someone who yeah. died way too young, who had an impact and an influence on the game. And Kobe, you could argue, Kobe Bryant had just as much, if not more, of an impact on today's players. Today's players, I'm not saying in the history of basketball, than Michael Jordan, because we've just moved. Michael's been retired for yeah, 22 no, years. You're right. right. Well, today's players. He's been retired for technically 19 years, but really 22 years. Yes. The Washington years don't count. But yes, you're right. Today's players were influenced by two guys, I think Kobe, LeBron. Yeah. It's that simple. Yeah. So uh, it's that simple. Well, and can I say one more thing quickly? Yeah, can I say one more thing? And, 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 I'm not trying to be overly dramatic here, but can the Timberwolves please reconcile with Garnett? Yes. Like, if anything, yesterday, you can be gone in a second. Yes. Anybody can be gone in one second. Some of it's on KG, too. Sure, sure. But I'm I'm just saying, can both sides now just come back and say, this is ridiculous. Like, we're, we're fighting about things that are basketball things. And I know KG, and I don't blame him, is upset about things. But didn't yesterday teach us a valuable lesson about why 21 needs to be in the rafters and why why Garnett needs to be... I, I'm not saying they got to be best friends, okay? But that night needs to happen soon. Like, think about this, and this is, man, this is a whole other conversation that is worth exploring. The Lakers, historically, have been the best franchise in sports history. Yankees are in that mix to some extent, but at just preserving and highlighting relationships with players, right? You're just once you're once you're a key member of that family, you are in that family and they are going to preserve that relationship. Even if there's a little bit of a weird falling out with Shaq and he wasn't happy and they tried right. to damn like right. nope, we're going to get you back in the mix here, bus family, Kobe, Magic. Mm-hmm. And that has been the single worst thing that that the Timberwolves, like the Timberwolves, in addition to being mostly terrible on the court for the better part of 30 years outside of the KG era, mm-hmm. for them, and I, when I say them, it's Glenn Taylor. Like for right. Glenn Taylor to have played a role in botching that relationship with Kevin Garnett is really sad to see. But this is a lesson. This is a lesson of how quickly it can be gone. And and how fighting about and how being upset about these materialistic, he said, she said, ba- you know, basketball things. They're not ultimately important. I just, yesterday I thought of that and the fact that, you know what, let's get Garnett back. Again, he does not have to be best friends with Glenn Taylor. Retire the number and at least have it be civil enough where where the Timberwolves can honor their greatest player without question of all time and move forward. Yeah, he just, he, he, Kevin Garnett still means so much to the yeah. organizations. I know that Kevin Garnett's rough around the edges and didn't always necessarily treat people perfectly behind the scenes, but like, you're right. This is, 
I think even beyond Kevin Garnett, yesterday was such a great example of the things that we usually think matter and get worked up about. They don't. Right. They just don't right. compared to there's, life and your friends things. and family. Absolutely. When we come back, Tom Pellicero will join us, and we'll keep the Kobe discussion going. We might dabble into some of the Super Bowl week stuff, but it's it's Monday, and Kobe's on our mind today here on Mackie and Jeb with Rami. 651-646-8255. And then at 530, Bobby Marks is scheduled to join us. 20 years as a front office member in the NBA, and his first ever scouting assignment in 1996 was 17-year-old Kobe Bryant. So we're going to get that story in a national perspective as well here. It's Mackie and Jeb with Rami on Score North, remembering Kobe Bryant. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. But I wanted to ask you about Kobe Bryant. You said you never met him, but you felt like he was a part of your family. Right. You know, that's a, that's a legend, man. And he did so much for the game of basketball. A lot of people looked up to Kobe Bryant, you know, um, including myself. You know, um, he, he's a great player. And from what I heard, you know, he was a great person as well. So my heart was impressed with his family. You know, I had the chance to meet him one time, but he was a guy who I always hoped I would have the chance to be around him more. Um, I had so much respect for him as a competitor. Um, I know he inspired so many people in so many different ways. Um, I mean, one of, one of the great competitors of, of any generation, um, not just with sports, but I think just, you know, the way he approached a lot of things and, and what he was doing now after basketball. So um, I pray for him. I pray for his family. I know we don't know all the details yet, but um, it's, it's a tragic loss. His comments there, Drew Brees from... The Pro Bowl yesterday, and Tom Pelissero joins us here from NFL Network. Tom Pelissero's NFL insights every Monday during football season and throughout the playoffs. But Tom, we, we just want to start because y- you and I are around the same age. You're a few years older than I am, but we grew up, and we grew up watching Michael Jordan. But the way I put it to Judd, if you grew up and and you were born in the 1980s, Kobe Bryant was really the first full complete elite superstar career that you saw and the jarring nature of his death yesterday and the sudden nature and his daughter, 13-year-old daughter, just, uh, it takes the air out of you. What are your thoughts and what were your thoughts when you saw that news yesterday? Well, I think that, you know, my first thought is just as the father of two young daughters, uh, thinking about the family and the father being gone and obviously uh, his teenage daughter tragically passing as well. Yeah, that that's where my mind jumps to immediately. I mean, I, I can't imagine, you know, what that does to the rest of the family and the, the ripple effects of this. Uh, you know, certainly in terms of his playing career, I've watched a ton of him. You know, I, I grew up, you know, watching Michael Jordan. That was really the first one that I think I, I'm a little older than you, Phil. Um, you know, the first player that I remember, you know, that title run from 91 to 93, and then obviously again, uh, 96 to 98, you know, I was – you know, 10, 11, 12 years old, that was the first player. But certainly, I mean, Kobe comes in, you know, I, I just remember thinking, okay, he was whatever he was, 17 or 18 when he was drafted. And I wasn't much younger. And just thinking, this guy is like two years older than me, and he's out there, you know, playing against the NBA superstars, the guys that I've watched. Um, yeah, I also think that the two kind of, um, you know, parts of his career, the pre-Shaq or, you know, the Shaq days and then the post-Shaq days, the way that he evolved and, you know, the score he was, um, yeah, I mean, in terms of a, you know, a player, there were not many more people who could be fairly called iconic in a world that that's, that term is overused uh, than Kobe Bryant. 
And Tom, beyond basketball players too, I, I think that this affects all sports because there are, I'm sure, a ton. As we we just heard a couple sound bites, there's a ton of football players who probably grew up watching Kobe and and loved him. So I think this is a death that crosses sports as far as players in various uh, professional leagues being deeply impacted by his death. I was I was uh, in an Uber over here to media night uh, or opening night here at Marlins Park with James Palmer, my colleague at NFL Network, and he was saying because he did the uh, the airport arrivals on TV yesterday, and he said he was texting some of the people on the Chiefs plane, and they were saying that's all anyone's talking about yeah. on the plane to the Super Bowl, you know, the pinnacle of their careers, and they were you know, talking about this guy. I was scrolling Instagram this morning, and you know, I follow a, a bunch of different NFL players, and every single person's post was about Kobe or the time they met Kobe or how him and his mentality, you know, impacted them. Uh, there's no question. I mean, we have, we did all these NFL 100 specials, uh, you know, through the course of this year where we had different celebrities and different players and things like they're kind of commenting on these great moments. And Kobe was one of the ones on, you know, this uh, Deshaun Jackson play. And Kobe grew up in Philadelphia, was a big Eagles fan, so he was around that team. And, you know, he was one of the guys contributing on that. So, I mean, yeah, no doubt. I mean, he's, he's somebody who, um, it was uh, impactful on the lives of a lot of people in a, a lot of different sports. So even here at media night, I haven't seen any of the players yet, but I've seen some media members wearing Kobe Bryant jerseys here, and I wouldn't be surprised if there's one or two guys who might uh, walk up to a podium wearing one as well. Yeah. Tom Pelosero from NFL Network. Tom, why, why is it in your mind that athletes are able to leave that strong of an impression on us? I think it's a, a variety of reasons. Um, you know, I think that, you know, if I'm just thinking in terms of, you know, my life, uh, you know, the, the guys who, again, I go back to Michael Jordan was somebody who just, you know, the way that they always elevated themselves on that big stage. Um, you know, Brett Favre, when I was, you know, a, a teenager and watching him and the way that he played and the, you know, the jubilation that he played with, uh, you know, and the, the competitive nature. I think it's just, you know, sports is always, I think, in the big picture, a metaphor for life in terms of you know, your ability to respond to things in your life, to overcome adversity. Uh, you know, we don't all wake up every day and you're either going to win or lose. You know, there's a lot of days I think those of us in the rest of society just kind of coast along and your day is your day and you wake up the next day and you do it again. You know, sports every single day uh, that you're playing a game is a, a win or lose type of situation. And so those people in those big moments who can uh, you know, just, you know, be able to play at their absolute best, regardless of the circumstance, regardless of how good the opponent is. Uh, that's something that you can, you know, hopefully apply, uh, to your life. I mean, I think, I think sports also just shapes us growing up as kids. I mean, that's part of the reason that so many NFL players and people in other sports, you know, are impacted by it is like, these are the people you, you grow up emulating. You know, for me, it was Michael, you know, when I was shooting fadeaways in my, you know, driveway growing up for, I'm sure, an entire generation of kids. It was, Kobe, uh, and now for him to be gone at age 41, and again, I go back to the family and his daughter, who, you know, there's one mashup video I saw today of her hitting, you know, his classic step away, you know, jumper that. on the baseline. Yeah, Rips your and heart out. you look at that, and it's just, yeah, that's, that's tough. That is really, really tough. I, I also contend, Tom, that because we, we grow up, and, and then as adults watch sports so much, and specific sports, that even if we don't know these players as people, that they're in our homes, well, in football's case, on a weekly basis during the course of the season on Sundays, or basketball, we watch a ton of games, hockey, baseball. So I also, because when people say, well, you didn't know this player, 
I argue that you feel like you did because even though you don't know them personally or their personality, these are people who are in your home constantly and people that you enjoy watching at their craft. Well, I think even beyond that, too, um, you know, NBA players more than any other sport, they're not wearing helmets. You see their emotions. You can literally see the sweat. They feel like you can feel the game. Uh, there's, it's the smallest rosters in all of professional sports. So, you know, you, and you have a better chance to take over a game in the NBA than, uh, than anything else. You know, I mean, a single scorer can quite literally win a game. You know, in football, yes, can Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes impact the game? Absolutely. But there's still 21 other guys on the field at all times. The NBA, I mean, one guy can get hot and, you know, really uh, win a game on his own. I think that that's, you know, that's part of the reason that, you know, the great scorers in NBA history, whether they're, uh, you know, Kobe or LeBron has certainly had a more well-rounded game, but him, you know, surpassing Kobe the other day on the all-time scoring list, Michael Jordan's net category, Larry Bird, uh, those guys who can just single-handedly create offense like that, I think are, you know, it's a really unique thing that the NBA has that other sports don't, which is the singular star power. And you have to credit uh, Adam Silver and, uh, you know, David Stern once upon a time for, you know, being able to leverage that at the highest level worldwide. I mean, these guys have worldwide types of followings, and Kobe is certainly in that category. And, Tom, I think when we're just talking about basketball attributes or athletic attributes with Kobe, supreme athletic ability combined with probably more work ethic and drive than any of his peers and also high IQ, both basketball IQ and and regular IQ. Which current NFL player or even former NFL player that you've covered reminds you most of Kobe Bryant? I think it's hard because, you know, I mean, Brett Favre would be one that would come to mind uh, just simply because, you know, Brett would shoot his shot. You know, that's the thing with Kobe. The people who are always, you know, saying that, you know, Kobe doesn't stack up in the same category was he just shoots constantly, right? He just takes 100 shots a game and, um, you know, is constantly trying to create offense. Favre is kind of the same way. Favre threw a ton of interceptions but also made a ton of plays. You know, in in the current game, Patrick Mahomes would probably be pretty close to that. Uh, He doesn't turn the ball over the way that Favre did, but, you know, he will make some unbelievable throws, you know, unbelievable individual plays. Uh, that are just, you know, difficult to fathom. Um, you know, Lamar Jackson's another one that in terms of just like the way that he can impact, uh, you know, people, you know, the way that you're inspired by the way that, you know, a guy plays, he'd be in that, uh, that category too. Now his style of play is, you know, completely different than Mahomes. I would say Mahomes is probably the closest to, uh, to a Kobe Bryant that you have right now. Kirk Cousins fumbled in the Pro Bowl, and it was returned 82 yards for a touchdown, Tommy. What the heck? Can't, can't Vikings fans get some sort of respite from this stuff? Not going to lie, Judd, this is the first time hearing of that. <laughs> no way! Whoa! Hold on a second. I missed the football right now. He was. I had a. Calais Campbell sacked him. TJ Watt returned it. Look, and I'm breaking news to a guy from NFL Network. It's the first time for everything, Judd. It's just like the old days with you breaking Viking scoop. This is good. Uh, this is very good. I had a flight back from Mobile, and then I had a flight to uh, Fort Lauderdale. So I've been, I've been a little underwater. I can't say that I've followed the uh, the blow-by-blow of the Pro Bowl. Uh, amazing. Hold on. Just just so you know that this did happen, Jonathan does have the sound here, Tom. In case you need it this week, you know, for your insighting. Okay, here it is. It is. Fourth and goal. Just- NFC looking for the lead here in the fourth quarter. Out as Campbell crashed home, and it's picked up by TJ Watt. And TJ Watt's 
striding the other way to return this for a score. And then pointing back at Kirk Cousins as the entire AFC team is joining him in the end zone. Oh, that that's terrible. That is just terrible. Poor Kirk. Amazing. We're going to get a taunting fine out of the Pro Bowl, huh? Yep. <laughs> we are. $15,000. Pay, oh, pay the fine. Uh, Tom, hey, la- last thing for you here before we let you get to Super Bowl opening night. Do you, How do you think the Kobe Bryant news and, and the fallout here, how do you think it's going to intertwine with the Super Bowl festivities this week and even the game itself? I think there will be a lot of questions about it tonight because you have, uh, you know, so for media night or opening night, they call it now, uh, everyone is here. Every single player, every single coach, the owners usually here, the GM, everybody is available for interviews. I'm sure you're going to get a ton of questions about where people were when they heard it, the reaction, their memories. Uh, but then, you know, this is the Super Bowl. This is the NFL. Everything else is going to overwhelm it from, from Tuesday on. You know, maybe you see a tribute of some kind at the game, a player, something like that. Uh, but I think that, you know, this, this thing's a monster, man. When it uh, when it gets rolling, you're not in any way to minimize the tragedy. Uh, but you know, as we get deeper into the week here, the focus is going to be on Patrick Mahomes, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, Andy Reid, Kyle Shanahan. It, it's going to be on uh, the players here, and it should be a, should be a fun week down here in South Florida. Right on. Well, thank you, Tom. We appreciate your insight, and we appreciate your thoughts on Kobe Bryant and you Pro Bowl go, correspondent you go and- Judd signing off. Tom, exactly. <laughs> Tell me about the other 59 minutes later. <laughs> yeah, I'll call you. I'll text you about him. I'll talk to you later. See you, Tom. Sounds good. Great. Bye. <laughs> Tom Pelissero from NFL. That was a, yeah, he taunted him. TJ Watt, he really did. Cousins chased him. I watched zero minutes of the Pro Bowl, so you were, you were breaking no, the I didn't news. Wa- no, it's a historic moment in I didn't, the Pro Bowl then. I didn't watch it. I, I saw a story about it, and so I went and watched, and yeah, Cousins chased him. That that's off the charts. It's a Pro Bowl. That's remarkable. Wait, so wait. And then oh, TJ oh, Watt. So, I thought so. In my mind, I didn't know Cousins chased him. In my mind, TJ Watt looked back eighty yards and like waved at <laughs> okay. him or something. No, no, no. It's four. I think it was fourth down from, and the NFC was down by like four or something. Yeah. From the they were at the AFC nine fourth quarter shotgun. Cousins gets sacked by Calais Campbell and gets stripped. The ball is at the 18-yard line. T.J. Watt picks it up. Cousins gets up and chases T.J. Watt all the way down the field, which I was like, why? And then T.J. Watt trash-talked Cousins. Amazing. Amazing. Kirk, two touchdown passes, too. The Pro Bowl. Devontae Adams caught two touchdown passes from Kirk Cousins. Actually, where I saw this news first was, you must have written an article for scorenorth.com. darn right I did. And it was something, you know, it was something... Same old, same old. Yep. Okay, same old, same old. And the comments on the Twitter post are as expected. <laughs> Jughead, classic. Jughead, lot of negative I actually liked it. It was a, it was funny. But yeah, that was uh, that was a heck Kirk of a was deal. part of a historic moment. They try. He was the first quarterback yes. to try the fourth and fifteen non, for an onside kick. Didn't go well. So say goodbye onside kick. New experimental rule. Here it is, a fourth and 15. Kirk Cousins to try to keep the ball. He wants more than 15. And it is intercepted. It is Earl Thomas who's now returning the fourth and 15 attempt and laterals the ball to his teammate Marlon Humphrey who laterals it again. As now they are blowing it dead. The comment I Dude, saw I on it, it was Kirk Cousins becomes the first quarterback ever to throw an interception on an onside kick. Yeah, it's actually Amazing. accurate. By the way, I'm pretty sure the 4th and 15 idea originated in this studio like five years ago when Chris Long was in one day. 
We talked about this. We did talk about it. And we were trying to figure out, is it, should it be... So it didn't get stolen by us? Well, I, I don't know. Did you were long? We originated? No, we, we did not rip it from anyone. We were coming up with ways to okay. improve football. Then you might be and right. It, and it originated from the... I'm not saying that they also... Then they listened to the station. They probably ripped it. Let's be honest. Then they listened. I mean, Mike Greenberg rips our bits. They probably ripped it. Do you it. like the fact that the clock runs... The clock runs, and where the ball was returned to... With the whole Pro Bowl it runs? No, no, no. I'm sorry. On 4th and 15, okay. it's a, it's not an untimed down. Yeah, because the onside kick would would run for so two seconds. It runs for that, and, and then where the ball got returned to is where the ball is spotted. So if you're going to do the onside kick with the 4th and 15... It's just like you, an onside kick. You need kick. like 10 or 15 seconds on the Correct. clock to convert Correct. the play and then to yes, get so. another shot, right? Yes. Can you score a touchdown on it? Clearly you can, because they were trying to. So 4th and 15, it's just you, like you a normal just play. use it as a Hail Mary. Yes. Yeah, and I love that's it. That's what that play was. I love it. I think it's... I, if you don't convert, the other team gets the ball right there. So they're like 35 yards out from a touchdown. And, right. It's amazing. You, and if you think yep. about it, so what, well, the 4th and 15 is basically just, all right, what's the percentage What's the percentage of the time that, that you actually recover an onside kick? And it's different... Now than it was like ten years ago, but oh, yeah. Way if it's ten percent or something, okay, then what's or five percent? What's the equivalent, or what percentage do you want to be the percentage? What percentage of the time do you want a team to get the ball back, basically? And then you can rig it, right? Yes. So is it should it be fourth and twenty? Should it be fourth and fifteen? And I, I just love that even if it's the same percentage chance as an onside kick recovery, it's yep. more exciting to watch an actual play than an onside kick. I'd be tempted to make it. If I were the league, fourth and ten to tempt teams to do it more but, but and more. That would be that the I conversion know. rate would be like twenty I know. Some percent, right? But I love the idea. But wouldn't it be fun? <laughs> I'm okay with fourth and fifteen. Fourth and I don't want it to a be an automatic heavy chunk of yards. But anyway. Fourth and ten honestly would be automatic in some games. It's a great if idea. You're, if you're like you know, think about if you're Pat Mahomes up against an inferior defense and you it's just one. fell behind early, you're going to get the you're going to convert it fifty percent of the time. It looked like a lot of fun. Be better then. I like the idea. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, they should for solidify sure your your defense. But it they was fun. It. Yeah, they sh- that's the one thing they should steal from the. I do it for next season. Did you see that? There's a report that Major League Baseball that the DH in the NL is very likely to become a thing for 2021. That we are one year away from DH can in I just the National pass, League. Can they do it? Which means your double switches. Can they and all pass the- it? The stuff well, that you love to we're in, great change. We're in for a lockout here at some point soon, which I think is after 2021. Is that correct? I believe so. I think so, the yeah. CBA is up going into 2022. I think that's true. If I'm not mistaken, I right now would say the probability of a lockout incredibly high. Free agency has to change, and arbitration does too. Yeah, that but that Quicker would be a, free that agency. would be a higher priority for the the players than the DH. Oh, I don't know the players care about like, that. No, they no. want to become free agents before they're thirty years old. I'm saying I'm saying that that the way that the offseason works right now, I think a lockout is unless things are changed and agreed to is going to happen. But yeah, the DH it could be in by 2021. You said yeah. Well, I'll miss the double switches, and so will my <laughs> good friend Rami Makhlov. Man. There needs to be a voice like Judge in those CBA meetings that just stands up for the double switch fans of the world. The players will love it because so it creates you bring more jobs. Stop in, oh, you, and you move the left fielder. It's over fantastic. Here. The pitcher comes over here. You know what? Right. Mock it all you want. It's great fun. Let's uh, let's before we take a break here. Let's hear from Jim Peterson. Jim Peterson was on Score North Live, and I'm just going to play a couple clips here from from Jim Pete, who has spent a long time broadcasting Kobe Bryant's games and. You know, I've been pr- I've been pr- 
privy to a lot, you know, obviously covering Kobe. You know, Benz and I did the game here at Target Center when Kobe passed Michael Jordan um, on the scoring list. Um, and, you know, just been watching him play for a long time and, and you know, being around him just like, uh, you know, from, from a professional standpoint. I don't know Kobe personally, uh, but I know a lot of people that do know him personally. And so it's just a – it's kind of like when Prince died, you know. Like, we, I know exactly where I was when I heard Prince died. I know exactly where I was when Malik Seeley died. Um, you know, we, we have some experience when Flip passed away. You know, I know uh, when I heard Flip had cancer and then when he actually passed away. It's like we, we've had some tragedy – um, I think the most important thing for me, though, is to find some meaning through all of this. And I think that's kind of where we're, we're at. Like, you know, there's a grieving process. But at some point, you've got to find out for yourself what this all means to you and how you prioritize your life, you know? You know, I just think that it's important for us. But I tell you what, I, I worked as my ass off, and I tried to get the, the, every bit of ability that I had. And I think that's what Kobe did. Kobe squeezed out. Like, like there are players you look at and you go, that dude doesn't give it like his all. He doesn't play hard every night. You know what I mean? Like your guys, you can objectively look at and go, that guy is not squeezing out every bit of, of ability out of us. And I think that's what made Kobe Bryant different. That's what made Michael Jordan different. That's what made Magic Johnson, like all these great players. What makes them different is that they're able to take whatever ability they have and let, let them have I mean, incredible whatever it is, like either athleticism, uh, fast switch muscles, um, being able to, you know, think the game and figure out angles and how to play the game. And uh, you've got to maximize. And that's what Kobe did. Kobe maximized. I think everybody can recognize his greatness was based on his work ethic and his competitiveness that he wanted to like be better than you and beat you. He didn't want anything for free. He didn't, you know, it's not about like giving him a trophy. He was going to take it and earn it and, and win it. And there was nobody that was as competitive his as him on a night in night out basis. So that was Jim Peterson on Score North Live earlier today. If you want that full interview, just go download or subscribe to the Score North Live podcast feed, Apple, Spotify, or the Score North app. When we come back, Bobby Marks is ESPN's NBA front office insider. He spent twenty years working in NBA front offices. He's expected to join us when we come back here. His first scouting assignment. In 1996, incredible was to check out a 17-year-old Kobe Bryant, high school Kobe Bryant. So we'll talk to we'll talk to him when we come back here. Jonathan here with the Score North download. We'll get you back to Mackie and Judd with Rami in just a moment. Obviously, the story of the day has been the tragic death of Kobe Bryant and eight others, including his 13-year-old daughter Gianna. Yesterday, the Wolves, who are set to host the Kings tonight, here in just about an hour and a half now held shoot around this morning and Carl Anthony Towns spoke about the legacy of Kobe Bryant. His legacy will be felt because of all of us who make, you know, Kobe did the one thing that we all, all of us as athletes hope our legacy does and that makes you feel. And he made us all feel a certain way when he was on the court and when his presence was in the room or in the building or in the state, you know, his presence, he made you feel. And um, I think that's where his legacy is going to be remembered just because he made us all feel uh, that anything was possible and that any injury, anything that life handed to us was just an obstacle and a challenge that we needed to conquer. And, uh, you know, I, I feel that, you know, the impact he's made in so many of our lives from my generation, the next generation, the generations before me is going to, uh, is why he's going to be uh, living forever as a legend. That's been your score on our download. Now back to Mackie and Judd with Rami. Mackie, or Manny, Mackie. Struggling over that name. Man, you had a no-hitter there until the bottom of the ninth with two outs. 
Jonathan Harrison with we've your all, Score North Download. We've all dropped the ball at different times today. The Score North Download, by the way, is brought to you today by the big climb for LLS. As many of you know, my mom passed away two and a half years ago. We're talking about loss today, and we're reflecting. Well, my mom died of a rare blood cancer two and a half years ago, and it's been my mission to help raise a ton of money against blood cancer, and that's where you come in for just $20. You can get on the team, Team Mackey. We're going to climb 53 stories of steps on February 15th, downtown Minneapolis at the Capella Towers. And you can just go to MackeyLLS.com to find out more information. Join our team. We already have a pretty nice little team brewing here. Alex Boone's going to join. So MackeyLLS.com. You got a real athlete? Knockout. Can- well, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not a real athlete. I, no. I played wiffle ball no. a couple of years in college. No, you and Collar. No, you're, no, you're not real athletes. So MackeyLLS.com. But we've been reflecting on Kobe Bryant the entire day here on Score North and we've just we've had phone lines open listening to your stories and you know you and I are of slightly different generations Judd but I, I grew up in the Kobe Bryant era and uh, a lot of people listening grew up in that era our next guest here Bobby Marks spent 20 years working in NBA front offices and now he's the NBA front office insider for ESPN you've heard him on Doogie Scoop podcast here on Score North a number of times and Bobby, first of all, thank you so much for joining us on just a super tough day for the NBA, uh, just the NBA universe. And your first scouting assignment, as we saw from your Twitter account today, was actually, this is 1996. All right, Bobby, your first scouting assignment ever, and you're going to check out a 17-year-old Kobe Bryant, and we would love to hear that story. Well, as I said, it was, and thanks for having me on. It was a lot different back in the 90s than it is now. We... Uh, yeah, teams just did not implore many scouts then. I think we had three in New Jersey, and they were basically regional. But, yeah, I mean, I, I worked for Willis Reed, um, Hall of Famer. He was a GM, and I was about a year hired in uh, in New Jersey coming off an internship. And, yeah, that was my – took the train down to Philadelphia. Yeah, um, we subscribed to a um, you know scouting service, and there was a kid named Kobe Bryant on this service that we, we kept on seeing. And um, – Went down to Philadelphia and, and saw him uh, saw him play in a high school game and, and came back and and told Willis you know like this kid this kid's got a chance and uh, you know I played football in college you know I mean who am I to tell the you know Willis Reed about some high school kid <laughs> and um, you know we um, you know we had scouting evaluations it wasn't the computer the computer generation it was all handwritten and filled out a handwritten report and. Um, yeah, we wound up bringing him in, you know, the following June, you know, when, during that draft, you know, about three times, three or four times. And, um, you know, it was just, you could tell right off the bat. And it's a lot different nowadays where you have draft pack, draft press books going against each other or going against the air. Um, back then in the nineties, you know, you were allowed to have, um, your uh, draft prospects work out against your own players. Wow. So, you know, we had, um, Kobe came in and he worked out against Ed O'Bannon and Khalid Reeves, you know, guys who, we're somewhat established, you know, Ed, Ed had, you know, come off a of player of the year at UCLA and really, you know, put a number on these guys. And um, you could just kind of tell right there. And, you know, remember, you know, Garnett had come into the league as a high school player, but there wasn't really a wing, um, you know, out there uh, coming out of high school. So you didn't really know. Um, and we brought him in, you know, two or three, three times, I think, um, and, you know, we didn't pick him. <laughs> I mean, that was, that was the, uh, that's the beauty of it all is that we had a rookie head coach and John Cal Perry. And as I said, wings, you know, we're not a premium when it comes to high school. And we had, we had a good player in Kobe Bryant, but I mean, in uh, Terry Kittles, but we, um, 
you know, we know what the legacy of uh, of Kobe is right now. What struck you about his game as you scouted him and watched him? Were there immediate things for his age and being a high school kid that struck you as being special, Bobby? Yeah, I mean, his composure. I mean, he wasn't a typical. I mean, remember when he got drafted, he was only 17. Mm-hmm. Uh, his composure, his length, uh, you know, he certainly filled out when he was in, in the league. Uh, how smooth he was um, to be able to play a uh, two-way, a two-way player. Um, you know, everything stood out. I mean, it was just that it was just kind of that he had that look in him. You know, he tried to resemble, uh, resemble his game like Michael Jordan, and you know, we, we, I saw a, a, up close what Jordan was. No, he wasn't at that level, but you could tell that there was the makings of it. And you know, you're three or four later, three or four years later, he's winning an NBA championship. And I, and I, I said this before is that. You know, the following year we brought in Tracy McGrady um, for a workout too, and um, you know Tracy's a Hall of Famer and Tracy's a heck of a player, but the the, the workouts weren't even comparable. Comparable. I mean, this is how good this guy was, and um, so that's kind of my, you know, my Kobe Bryant story is that you know going down to see him and you know, you know, work watching him in person and then bringing him in for for multiple workouts and then I wish I had some of those old reports and you know those tapes from that workout and stuff because that's something uh, something special. Yeah. So Bobby, what, you know what I think we all thought as fans, you know, you more on the inside and even the players that we all kind of took for granted that Kobe Bryant is an indestructible force and machine and he's probably going to be 85 or 90 years old. You know, he's going to be just like Bill Russell, just going to be around forever, and you're going to have this icon. Now that he's not, how do you think it impacts the league? How do you think, you know, what what do you think the ripple effects are here? Well, I don't think we've ever seen something like this, at least from, um, you know, the NBA standpoint. Um, and it was surreal. You know, yesterday around um, one we had gotten an email from our news desk, um, basically that there was TMZ was reporting this, and, you know, basically sit tight and not report until it was finalized. And it was like, you know, that you would think, you know, at first it was not true. And then when you, and then at night when you're watching the news and it, you're seated in the, in the, in the bottom right hand corner, it, it's a surreal moment here. And, you know, we saw, only saw the tribute. I just hope that, and you guys know this with death that, you know, after a week we kind of forgot, we forget and we move on to the next thing. Um, I just hope that his legacy lives in, and I, it's more with a younger generation. Right, the older generation kind of grew up watching him, but I think, and I, I'm not talking about the Donovan Mitchells of the world or Carl Anthony Towns. I'm talking about you know the kids I coach in basketball, fifth and sixth graders, and uh, I had a nice talk to, with them before the, our, we practiced tonight, and just explaining you know what kind of impact he had. And I said, you know, go on YouTube, watch how, you know how he played, and you know he wasn't the Kobe that you saw, and you know how he ended his career, you know certainly hobbled there, but you know that. That stretch in the late '90s, 2000, was as good as ever. So I just hope we don't forget about him. I don't think we will, but you know how it goes. That um, you know, a year from now, that you know, we kind of move on to something else. Right. Exactly. So how how special do, do you think, outside of his um, freakish and and great ability? How special do you think his competitive spirit was, too, though? Because, you know, do you look at Jordan, Kobe, there's not a lot of people on this planet wired like that. Just the fact that this guy uh, took his abilities but combined them with a, a such a ferocious desire to win and kick the opponent's butt. Well, you're right. I mean, and you, and you remember watching Jordan play. You know, it, it felt like every time Michael had the ball was that it was going in, you know, yep. and that you never felt a lead was safe. 
Um, and certainly watching Kobe, you could say that you, you can say the same thing. I mean, we, I mean, we had an up close view of him in 02 in the finals and we wound up getting swept. I mean, certainly Shaq was dominant, but, um, you know, he, he was as good as, you know, as anyone in that series. So I, I think that's kind of the, the dominance as far as when you have that fear of a player, the ability that you think every time he touches it, it's going in, um, the ability to make your teammates better. And that was a, you know, that was a Laker team that, you know, they had a lot of good role players. You know, it was him and, and, um, and Shaq, but you had, you know, you had Rick Fox and uh, Devin George, guys like that, um, Derek Fisher. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, a, a, you, know, a, a, you know, a big three level like we saw in Miami. But, um, but that's kind of, that's the fear. You know, that, those are the type of players that, you know, you fear and are, those are the great ones. Uh, Bobby, last thing for you. I'm sure you've never thought about this, but. If you guys do wind up drafting Kobe in 1996, and the way that I mean, you you built up a team that went to the finals twice in a row, coming out of the East, you know, five years later, you ever think about how that how that roster shakes out if if Kobe is the is the one front and center? Uh, I think about it every day. Yeah, <laughs> I do. But it's funny, you know. We um, there was a lot of. I mean, it's easy. We can all play Monday morning quarterback, and a lot of the circumstances had to do with you know we had hired John Cal Power at UMass, right? This is before Cal was Cal. He was 34 years old. Um, we took Kerry Kittles, who was a good player, you know, and he was a safe player. And Terry did a lot of things. And it was just, it was hard for for a college coach coming into the NBA system to take, you know, take a chance on um, to take a chance on this this 17 year old wing out of Lower Marion High School. Uh, high school. So, yeah, I think about it all the time. I actually te- I texted with Kerry this morning just to check in on because I knew he was close from. You know, being at Villanova, um, but it is what it is. You know, we all have missed. But the funny, the great, the beauty of it is that he went pick thirteen. <laughs> you know, he didn't go pick nine right after. So there was a bunch of there was four other teams that kind of missed out on him too. By the way, speaking of pick thirteen, so I saw Chris Saka, the the hedge fund investor who's been on Shark Tank. So Chris Saka and Kobe Bryant have, have formed a friendship in the last five years because Kobe's gotten gotten into the investment world, and he shared a story on Twitter today. Chris Saka did. That him and Kobe were kicking around names for their, they were going to have a fund that they were going to put together to invest in businesses. And Saka suggested, what about lowercase Mamba? And Kobe said, no, 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 lowercase 13. And Saka's like, well, why lowercase 13? He goes, because can you believe there were 12, you know, bleep, bleep, and this is, this is like three years ago. Can you believe there's 12 bleeping teams that he'd been retired and he still thinks about that? So. Yeah, and that, and we'll remember that draft as probably one of the greatest of all time, right? When you look at yeah. the names that came through there with Iverson and Marbury and Ray Allen, yep. and, you know that Steve Nash I think was in there. Peja, I mean that was as good as it got. Yep, that is Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA front office insider, twenty years working in NBA front offices, and uh, like we said off the top of the interview, his, his first scouting assignment was to check out a 17-year-old Kobe Bryant in 1996, and we really appreciate the time today, Bobby. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank Good you. Night. All right. Uh, just, some, just a fun little story there from, from Bobby Marks, and you can find him on the Scoop podcast every couple months or so with Doogie. High, but... school, high school kids scare teams. KG was a big risk for, for uh, yeah. McHale and the Wolves. Big and, then, and then, of course, what happened was KG works out, and Kobe works out, and there might have been another one, and then all of a sudden, like Darius Miles is going to yeah. be declaring, and et cetera, et cetera. So uh, we wrap with Roycey on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays on the show. And Pat, the floor is yours. I mean, you've been covering and around sports for a long time, and I'm I'm going to guess that yesterday is pretty high up on the 
shock you to your core uh, news list. Yeah, it was that. Uh, you know how young he was when he came into the NBA? I talked to Devin George a couple hours ago, and uh, Devin was a rookie in 1999, you know, coming out of Augsburg, and was a 23rd overall pick for the Lakers. And he got there to the Lakers, and Kobe had played four seasons, and Kobe was a year younger than Devin. Wow. So, you know, <laughs> That's amazing, really? Devin played. That Devin played all four years at Augsburg, and Kobe uh, was not only coming out of high school, but coming out of high school young. I think he was 17 when he got drafted, and then he turned 18. But uh, it was amazing. And, uh, you know, as, as Phil just pointed out, you get your Garnett and you get your uh, Kobe, and then we somehow think there's going to be a bunch of these guys, and there wasn't another one until LeBron. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's not like uh, there's not like a million of them who can come into the league and uh, do what uh, what he did, and he was you know as great as as KG was, and as different things that he did, he was now no Kobe. He's not one of the three or four or five best players of all time. So it's uh, yeah, I mean it's uh, it's astounding that uh, you know this happens, and they went nuts. Like Devin was in the airport at. Uh, at LAX yesterday morning, he was coming oh. home from. A, he was out there for a fundraiser, and he said, "All of a sudden, at nine thirty, or no, about ten o'clock, the whole place went nuts." And he had no idea. He was sitting over the headset, listening to music, but people were running through the LAX, screaming and showing each other their phones. And he said, "I thought it was either a terrorist attack or we'd started a war." Well, he said the president or, or the president had started a war. Is what he said. And then, then finally, his phone. Then, then a minute later, his phone starts blowing up, telling him that uh, Kobe had died. Of course, you know, he was his teammate for seven years and a uh, good friend of his. How, how's George doing? How, how's he doing he's, with uh, it? He, he was he was fairly calm when I talked to him today. But last night, uh, he, I got a text back from him saying, "I can't, I can't do anything tonight. I got to I got to try to talk to you tomorrow. He was not, he was no condition to talk about it last night. So yeah, that makes sense. He was better today. He was better today, but, uh, wow. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're right, Phil. I don't know what to say. It's as far as shock value. There's very little of it. And then of course the real sadness is, uh, knowing there was three young girls in that plane with them. Yeah. And it, it was so easy. To, this one was so easy to avoid. Don't fly. Nobody can see, you know, and he gets up and gets in. Obviously, the pilot got screwed up and got going the wrong direction and ran into a mountain. So, not good. So, where, where do, does the, this one fall, like with Thurman, Patrick, and things like that, where it's just it's just well, so shocking? Thurman, I mean, Thurman was a grumpy catcher flying his own plane. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> you don't you don't think. Yeah, yeah. Well, that one's easy. You say, "Why the hell is he flying his own plane?" You know, and uh, there, there's a few of those, but uh, you know, the helicopters, man. As you were you were saying the other day, they, they only got one thing holding them up, and they obviously don't have the instruments on them that a plane does to be out driving or riding around and that stuff. But he loved it, I guess, Toby. But he. Over 20 years, he took it to Staples Center. Not over 20 years, but when he was going to Staples Center for every game, he took it in from from where he was living, uh, you know, in the Staples Center for every home game for 
15 years. Yeah, probably. and Pat, part of the part of the irony was he started doing it, or I, he might have started doing it before he had kids. But but he he did an interview, and I want the audio is a little bit rough, so I won't play it for you here, and we're limited on time. But he basically, the irony is he started really taking helicopters more often because he wanted to have time to also pick up his kids and do normal dad stuff, and he didn't want to sit in traffic for two hours. And so yeah, the irony yeah. is he, he does it for his kids, and obviously yesterday happened. I was uh, I was uh, looking at a YouTube video yesterday that just popped up when I was looking at this, and uh, it's from 2017, and his daughter's in the back holding it. This was not put up because of what happened yesterday, but his daughter is in the back holding the basketball looking out the window of the helicopter. Yeah. And, and, uh, that was uh, that was a little hard to handle, but uh, oh, the whole thing wow. is the whole thing yeah. is. Uh, it's yeah. just it, it's you know again what I keep coming back to is this guy and his kid and all these people left their house fully expecting to be home for dinner basically, and then they're just all gone. I mean that's what's hard to get your head around. Yeah, and uh, and uh, probably probably didn't have a chance to say goodbye either because uh, no boom. They don't know that nobody can see. They don't know where they're going. God, it's terrible. Yeah, yeah it's terrible. There's no doubt about it. But L.A., uh, how, however, L.A. felt it. I mean, we all were conflicted on this guy because of the whole Colorado thing, how insolent he could be, you know, insolent to his feud with Shaq and his, you know, the pouting things that he did, like the time that uh, – Phil Jackson told him not to dribble into those triple teams so much, and he wouldn't take a shot the whole first half and stuff like that. But out there, they loved the guy. They they, they stuck with him through the the, the, the sexual assault uh, uh, charge. Not not everybody, obviously, but the, but the Laker fan base certainly did. Yeah. They loved the guy. There's no doubt about it. And Pat, just a couple. So we have about sixty seconds left, but I know that you and Derek on Royce on baseball. Talk a lot about Kobe off the top of the show coming up here and also looping in Kirby Puckett. But I really think Kobe Bryant is one of the great sports villains of my life and maybe of all time. He played for the he played for the flashy franchise. He came in and told everyone, I'm gonna be better than Michael Jordan, and Michael Jordan was the beloved favorite player, and he did he did most of the things that he said he was going to do, and by the end of it, I think a lot of people wound up actually liking him, even though he played villain for most of his career. Well, he did. He was a bit of a villain, and you know, everybody liked Shaq, and he was a villain with him, and uh, you're right. That's a, that's a very good point, and uh, you know, he made a good villain, but damn, was he a player. There's no doubt about it. He was I, I know that the stat people say that he didn't make them all down the stretch, but it certainly seemed like it, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And well yeah. there's not a lot of guys who are taking taking that many shots too as as he does. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's true. Well, I'd like to see somebody said that uh they're gonna uh the Timberwolves are gonna shoot twenty four percent tonight in honor of Chats. <laughs> come on. <laughs> <laughs> will that be an honor, or will that just be the Timberwolves' night? No, it would be the Timberwolves. It's, uh, you know, bad. by accident, probably. <laughs> um, well, that's you know, that's a Timberwolves joke, not a Kobe joke. Uh, that's a <laughs> Thanks for clarifying that, Roycey. Coming up, Roycey on yeah. baseball. Right. Coming up next, you can All also right. find Roycey yeah. on chain. All right, Pat. We'll see you later. See you, Pat. Jesus, Pat. That was a that God. was a that was a great point, but that was not a great question, and that's unfortunate because our scoring system. I don't get a, I don't get a point for that. Jonathan. 
No, nah, it has to be good question, not great. Point. It is the good question. You took your shot with Pelissero, it failed. Dude, I thought I had Pelissero. I thought I right. had marks at one point. Thanks for listening, you guys. See you tomorrow. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.